to Jesus this morning. He is worthy of all of our praise because this is what we believe as we sing his name on high.
words with us. Believing in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because that's who Jesus is. That's what we believe. So as we continue worshiping, just singing about the greatest treasure in our lives that we can have.
good morning. Can we just, can we just uh, thank God for our awesome worship team this morning? Can we just thank God for that? I just want to say good morning. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Crossroads. And, you know, whether today is number one or number 1,467 for you, we're just really glad that you're here. And uh, one thing I want to make clear is, is if you're brand new with us, please just stop by the Welcome Center. We have something for you, and we'd love to hear your story and just get you connected here or just serve you in any way we can. Um, just a couple of things that I want to mention this morning before I do that. Would you pass the friendship folders? We'd appreciate that. We have this week, is Thanksgiving. I know it seemed like it crept up on us, right? But this Wednesday night is going to be our Thanksgiving Eve night of worship and communion, 7 o'clock right here in the auditorium. And it's going to be a night of Thanksgiving, a night of worship, a night of communion. And so we're really excited about that. So would you join us on Wednesday night? Just join us, worship with us, communion with us, and uh, just do that before you have Thanksgiving on Thursday. So we'll just have two days of Thanksgiving instead of just one. <laughs> Second thing is, is I want to ask Rhonda to speak to our dessert theater, which is coming up this first week of December, 8, 9, and 10. And so she's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> Hey, it's that time of year. We are so excited because this is the season where we get to celebrate Jesus coming to earth for us and the start of what he was going to do through the time he was here on earth to the time he died on the cross and went to heaven. Our dessert theater this year is called um, A Perfect Little Christmas. We're excited because it is an opportunity for us to really fill these pews with people that are in our lives, friends, relatives, co-workers that need a savior or people that are hurting. We know that he's the only hope that we have. And so we want you to grab an extra couple tickets. Take, step, take a step of faith and just grab some tickets and go out and share and give these tickets for people that really need a savior, especially in the world of today. We're excited because our dessert theater over in the... Um, and the gym is going to be Candyland, like the game, but it's going to be a Christmas Candyland. And a couple of years ago, we had a successful um, gingerbread house cook uh, baking uh contest. And so um, we're going to do it again this year. So we want you to go out. We want you to get a gingerbread house of your choosing. We want you to put it together as a family, go all out, whatever you want to do with it. We're going to put them on display for our um, part of our scenery over there. And we'll have a little bit of a contest just to kind of see, uh, see who can really make it something. But it is an exciting time of year. We want you to be a part of it. And we're praying that God will just use this to really make a difference for eternity in the people that he brings into your lives. Thanks. Thanks, Rhonda. Another thing is Operation Christmas Child. Many of you saw those boxes that were right behind the tech booth on the other side of the wall, and they were piled about that high, and they slowly kind of went down, and then you saw on the other side of the lobby, they started to go up. Thank you for participating. Over 300 boxes were collected on behalf of our church, so let's praise God for that this morning. What's really neat about those boxes, and I hope that you would see some of the videos we posted on our Facebook or even go to the Samaritan's Purse website, is to see the life change that has happened. Samaritan's Purse partners with incredible, incredible people to go on behalf of them and to, and to serve these children, and they communicate the gospel through something so small as a gift and something so small as a box. So thank you for participating. We're really excited to see what's going to happen through that and how God's going to use that. And one more thing is we've been talking about our birthday gift to Jesus. And Ken's going to come up in just a moment. But I want to turn your attention to a video um, from one of our missionaries in the Philippines. Watch this video. Good morning, Crossroads and Pastor Ken. Of course, my family, Pastor Al and uh, Ate Bang. It's an honor for me to do this ministry report video for you guys today. Uh, we're busy a lot. We just came back from the States. 
for about a month uh, and stayed there for a month or so and back in the saddle today. Uh, as soon as we got off the plane, we went straight into Balikatan Parasakabatan. It's a youth event where we hosted about uh, close to 3,000 youth. We had 931 kids that came to know Jesus Christ as Savior in that particular event. It's an event that is like a fair with a concert and uh, a revelation trail. Uh, and then there's counseling at the end where we deal with issues with the kids. And we're happy that these kids are now being uh, mentored and uh, followed up by the churches and youth organizations that brought them there. Uh, immediately after that was the uh, anniversary of one of our new satellites, uh, IBC Subic. Pastor, I was familiar with that church. And uh, we have three new church plants apart from Subic. And uh, we are celebrating with that, uh, hoping to launch fully those churches in about a year or so. Uh, so those three are in the works right now, and it's, it's, it's ongoing for some time now. Uh, coming also is uh, right now is the enrollment of the Bible school. I want to uh, segue a little bit to thank you all so much for all your help and support uh, and partnership over the years. The pastors have been produced are now actually manning these church plants, not just here but all over the country. Uh, through the, through your support and your help, we've been able to uh, come to the aid of so many youth, uh, including those that if you would continue to partner with us, we have an opportunity to work with uh, a few kids who are from the Manila Boys Town Complex and the uh, uh, Department of Social Welfare. Uh, this is a special uh, theme in our hearts. We have fostered two boys that are uh, from there and uh, 14 and 15 years old. Uh, we've also been able to reach out to these kids over the last two years. There are 16 or 18 boys that will be shipped out. In other words, they have reached the limit of 18 years old, they're orphans, uh, and about six of them, six of them want to uh, serve the Lord, and so we want to take them in. And we, I've actually taken on uh, CJ, who's 19, and he's grade 11 now, and he wants to serve God. Bea, at the same time, is a girl who was a rescue from. Uh, uh, she was three years old, and she was a rescue uh, from human trafficking. She's with us now. She's also studying in our school. We have 15 boys, and I'm hoping to place them in different churches uh, in groups so that they could be mentored. But we're taking on about, about six in our, in our school, in our church, in the dormitory, so we could minister to them and really train them. They have been uh, saved in our ministry and uh, uh, for the last two years, and we hope that you'll pray with us so we could sponsor and help them uh, you know, really meet their potential in the Lord. Uh, your partnership has been crucial to uh, fulfilling all these uh, needs with us. We want to also praise God that our camp is coming up after Christmas. We're expecting about 500 youth uh, to be there, and uh, that's always a, an incredible time for us. Pray for us as we do that. Pray for us as we continue to train uh, seminary uh, in seminary Bible school students who will serve God and will put God first in their life. Uh, we're also coming to... The, our feeding program and uh, gift giving time uh, right before Christmas, the week before Christmas. That would be an awesome opportunity for us to minister to so many people. Uh, about 1,500 here in Mandaluyong alone that we're going to try to reach out to. Uh, so pray for us as we uh, go and, and, and do that. Thank you so much, Crossroads, for uh, your partnership with us, mostly your prayers with us. Thank you so much for all that you have done. God bless you all. Love to Pastor Al and my sister Bang and of course, Pastor Ken of Crossroads, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you too. Thank you. Man.
I, uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor James Lee Teak over in, the, in Manila, in the Philippines. Uh, Pastor Al, as you know, Pastor Al and Linda. Uh, Pastor Al went over there as a missionary for about eight years, and there he met Linda, and, uh, and, and the rest is history. God gave him a wife, and he came home, and, uh, and they raised their daughter Leslie here, and we're so thankful for Al and Linda. And uh, if we could grab Al the foyer and send him on in, I'd just like to have him pray over the offering in a moment here. But uh, we're, we're just, we just thank God for, for that. Aren't you excited that we get to be partners with these folks? I love what he said. He said, we appreciate your partnership. Uh, I can't reach the Philippines, but James Lee is and, and his team. And, and I heard some uh, key words, church planning. I heard orphans. I heard that they're rescuing people from human trafficking. I mean, God is just giving them such an opportunity. Several of our families from the church have, have been over there to visit their ministry. These guys are legit. They're out there doing the work of Christ. And, uh, and God is using you to, to meet part of their need. And so as we set the goal for 81000 birthday gift to Jesus, that's our, that's our Christmas offering. I'm going to ask Al, come on down. Welcome Al down here. All right, welcome Pastor Al. Give me a microphone. Um, uh, as, as, we, as we go throughout the Christmas season at Crossroads, we try to, um, we try to m- encourage you to put Jesus at the top. You know, you give a Christmas gift to everybody. We want to encourage you. Have fun. I mean, I enjoy Christmas. I buy gifts for my kids. It's a wonderful time. But I try to teach my kids and I try to practice myself putting Jesus at the top of the list. Because it just makes a world of difference, doesn't it? And for those of you that have done that before, it, it, it's just really exciting whenever Christmas is all done and you know that you've, you've made an eternal impact. That uh, while, while the gifts that you've opened, many of them are, are going to be broken and, and you know, we'll be buying them again next year, right? Uh, we're able to help these missionaries and they're feeding orphans. And they're rescuing people from, from the clutches of, of hell, really. And so uh, I just want to thank God for that. Al, uh, Al, we appreciate you, and God's been doing a great work in Al's life. Isn't it good to see Al back with his eyes open, right? And uh, God's been working through, uh, through your health crisis that you've been going through the past two years. But why don't you just say a brief word about James Lee as, the, as, our, as our ushers are coming forward. So. Yeah, what's probably pretty powerful with uh, what's happening in the Philippines is James is a third generation uh, pastor and so he and his uh, sister and their families have just been able to be a part of what God has continued to do uh, in the Philippines and as James mentioned with um, Manila Boys Town uh, right now that's just something where those those kids are taken in off the street and it's just a new opportunity that used to be a guarded system. So nobody could go in uh, to minister to these boys. They're basically just rounded up. It wasn't prison. It was sort of just, this is where you're going to be. It's sort of like being in detention all of your life. And uh, so they had the opportunity a couple of years ago to go in and uh, just to do some outreach programs with them. And then last year they asked them about taking the boys to camp. And uh, at first it was sort of like, no, we're not, we're not going to allow these boys to go anywhere. Uh, but they open up the opportunity. So God just continues to unfold uh, for the next generation. And uh, young people come up. So just very thankful for how God is using that. Amen. And, uh, and I know, Al, we also support an orphanage. That we're going to have a video in a few weeks down the road. They have to, you have to take a boat to get to that orphanage, correct? Yes, it's just 25, 30 minutes. 
Just a 30-minute boat ride, that's all. So, uh, but I know Mark, Mark and the Slegels were with you, and a few other families were with you. Harry Anton went on that trip. He's now with the Lord, and, and a number of other people were with you on the, on the, on the re- most recent trip you took. But, uh, you know, the, I just can't encourage you more uh, to, to set this as a goal because these guys are out there doing the work, and God's given us, and, and so we're able to, to give to them. So this is over and above our regular tithes and offerings. And and if you're giving to the birthday gift to Jesus today, please designate it as such. Um, You know, I I, I can't believe that Christmas is upon us already. You know, this Wednesday we're going to have Thanksgiving Eve. I look forward to to that. It's a wonderful time. We gather together, and uh, and we'll be here about an hour, and then you'll go home, and you'll keep working on your turkey and uh, and all that fun stuff. But, uh, But then we go right into Christmas. In two weeks, we're starting a series called Christmas in the Berg. All right, and I want, you to, I want you to invite somebody. Say, hey, we're doing Christmas in the Berg at our church, and it's going to be a fun time. As a matter of fact, I could use a little bit of your help. If, you have, uh, if you've grown up in the Pittsburgh area and you have a memory of, of, uh, of Christmas as a child, I hope you have a memory, okay? Uh, and you have something that's distinct that you could share. Maybe you have a picture of yourself in front of the Kaufman's window downtown Pittsburgh, okay? So if you have something that you could share, please send that into our office. Go, uh, the information's on the bottom of the bulletin on the back. You can email it. You can call Diane. Get that information. I'd love to include some of your thoughts uh, of Pittsburgh in the, uh, Christmas in the Berg, but obviously we're sharing the greatest story that has ever been told, that Jesus came to save sinners. Amen? And then, uh, and then we, we're, we're going right on Christmas Eve. It's gonna be, we're going to have a lot of fun things coming up. But now, would you pray over the offering this morning? We appreciate you. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you so much for all the abundant gifts you've given us. And thank you, Lord, that you let us know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, and there is no variableness in you. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have of giving back to you. Thank you, Father, for how you provided. And uh, thank you, Father, for allowing us to just be a part of what you're doing, not only in this place here, but around the world. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Town. It's where we all live. And each of our versions of Crazy Town might look completely different. But in general, so often, we're just trying to keep our head above water, trying to keep the plates all spinning at once. And after living here in Crazy Town for so long, we can't imagine living anyplace else. Between work, schedules, diapers, married life, mowing the lawn, and whatever else comes our way, who has time for anything? In the midst of trying to juggle 16 different things at once, who has time for God? And more specifically, who has time to pray? But something changes when prayer is no longer just one more thing on our to-do list, but instead it becomes the most important thing. It connects us to the one who helps us tread water when we can't swim ourselves. The one who helps us keep the plates all spinning and helps us discern which plates are actually worth spinning. It's crazy, but so often we tend to separate prayer from the one place that we need it the most in the midst of our crazy town lives. We've been in a series talking with God, and as we've been on this journey, we've tried to look at a, a, a few thoughts about how to pray and how, how to make prayer practical in your life. And then you look at your life, and do you ever feel like you're living in crazy town? You know? Do you ever feel like that, that you know, that, that one that came up, the cat on the, the cartoon had the cat? Was it, I don't know what his name is, but he, he whipped out and all the plates are spinning. Do you feel like that, like you're, the plates are spinning all the time and you just can't keep up with life? I mean, when our kids are little, we start out our kids at, at uh, you know, we, we, want, we want the very best for our kids. So what do we do? We get them, uh, we go out and we start signing them up into sports. We sign them up not just in one, sometimes two and three sports, and, and we're busy. And all of a sudden, there goes a few evenings out of the week. You're out every night with your kids, right? And, uh, and, and, and then school, then we start piling on school. We want them to do well academically. So uh, we raise the bar on the academics, and it's like, man, we want them to do well. And then pretty soon we see our kids are just overwhelmed, and it's like, man, they, they can't even keep up. They, they, they have all their time is occupied. And then, you know, you move on into middle school and high school and things start to change because that's whenever you start to realize the opposite sex and you start to realize that, okay, you want to have a relationship and you want to get married one day, right? So, uh, so, you stay, so the, the, that whole relationship thing starts and you want to talk about just add complication, that just adds complication to life, doesn't it? Uh, about the time 16 years old and, and you're just trying to keep up with all that other stuff and now all of a sudden you have a relationship and you're trying to figure out how to have a relationship and how to keep that going. And then you go off to college. You get off to college and you think it's going to be a little bit easier. And there's nothing easier about it. I remember when I went to college, I was like, man, they only take five classes a day. You know, in school you had seven or eight, right? Man, those were the hardest five classes you ever took. And it's like you're working hard all the time and you're going to work and you're trying to figure out all those new things. And then all of a sudden you get married after college, right? You come out of college or whatever, and then pretty soon you get married and you, and you, and you start your new life together. And it's like, wow, this is going to be wonderful. Then you've got to find a house. Then you go get that house. I'll never forget when we moved on Norman Avenue 22 years ago. Um, we, we, we moved in there, and within the first year, we got, you know, we, we were pregnant with Carice. And, and we told the neighbor, I'll never forget Norma. She's a great lady. She goes, oh, we knew that was going to happen. I said, how did you know that was going to happen? She goes, new house, new baby. That's just the way it works, right? And, uh, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the baby carriage. And then life really gets complicated. And it was complicated with one, then you add two. Then it just multiplies the complication. And you want to talk about crazy town? Life is crazy town. Then you go to three or four. Some of you are up to six. That's incredible. It's, it's amazing what can happen. But life can be really hard to manage. And then we bring in this dimension of your spiritual life. 
And all along, you're trying to manage your spiritual life. Well, you've got all these activities, and you're running at the speed of light, and you're just trying to keep up with everything, and you're wondering, how in the world can I develop a spiritual life? And then the pastor comes in and does a five-week series on how to pray, and you walk out and you say, man, I'm just not feeling too good because I don't pray enough. And that's definitely not what we're trying to do. We're trying to inspire you to pray. We're trying to inspire you to a relationship with Jesus, not to a ritual in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. You see, if it's just a ritual, you'll never want to do it. But if it's a relationship, you're going to want to develop it. And you see, there's a big difference between doing a ritual and developing a relationship. So as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we want to learn how to pray, how to talk with God. And we looked at the the Lord's Prayer extensively. But yet, all through the Bible, we see it talking about praying. And we see the admonition is to pray, and to pray often, to pray regularly. Um, Look at some of the tall order that the Apostle Paul left for us by example. Romans chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Now remember, he, he, he started many churches, and so he, he writes these letters out to these other churches. So here's this, this, this church to the Romans, uh, this letter to the Romans. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, with whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. He says, I pray for you day and night. Uh, twice a day, he's, he's referring to, this is regular, this is often, I'm thinking of the Romans and I'm praying for them. Then he says, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at, least to see, at last to see you. He says, you know, we were friends, I have a relationship with you and I want to come and visit you. And so I'm still praying for that. Uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, he sends to the church at Corinth. He says, I thank my God always. I'm always thanking God concerning you for the grace of God which he had given to you in Christ Jesus. I'm always praying for you. I'm always thanking God for you. Ephesians 1.16 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you to the church at Ephesus. I never stop giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I'm I'm upholding you and I'm praying. So you see this tall order that the Apostle Paul is setting for us. He sets an example of praying regularly. And whenever we think of this praying regularly, in our minds, we have this, this idea of something that is like high order that, boy, I could never live up to that. And that's not what the Apostle Paul is trying to do. The Apostle Paul is telling you, look, I have this relationship with God, and I'm in touch with him, and I'm talking to him about you. I continue, here's what he told the, the church at Colossians, at Colossae, in Colossians 4.2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, being vigilant in your prayers with thanksgiving. He says, so, so make prayer a priority. Uh, make this something that you're going to do. You're going to do it often. You're going to do it regularly and do it with a thankful heart. Romans 12.12, he says, rejoicing in hope being patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So we see that the encouragement here is for us to pray, to pray often, to keep at it, to keep going, and to never stop praying. Because over in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says to pray without ceasing. And that, that word, you, you, you know, other translations translated, never stop praying, uh, pray continually. The, the concept here is that you are not stopping your prayers. 
Now, it's hard for us to comprehend that because he's not talking here. The way it's written is not like, hey, you've got to have your eyes closed and you've got to be mumbling prayers all day long. It's, it's not about that you're, you're sitting here like uh, in 12 hours of prayer a day. He's talking about developing an attitude of prayer. So you have this attitude that you're in this conversation with God and you're constantly connecting to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. You're coming before him and you are connecting with him. Warren Wiersbe says it like this. He says, pray without ceasing does not mean that we must be mumbling prayers. The word means constantly recurring. It means that it's happening often, and it's over and over. It's not a continuous occurring, but a constant recurring. We are to keep the receiver off the hook. Now, I've tried, I've helped update what Warren Wiersbe says, keep the phone on. You don't know what the hook is anymore, right? You know, the hook was that, that old days when there was a receiver and, and the, the prongs were sticking out and the receiver would sit on the hook, right? And, and Warren says, take the phone off the hook because whenever the phone was off the hook and you got a connection, you were always there. He's saying, don't hang up. Don't hang up the phone. Always keep this conversation open-ended and keep it going. He says, be in touch with God so that our praying is part of a long conversation that is not broken. God knows the desire of the heart and he responds to those desires even when our voice is silent. So how do we do it? How do we pray without ceasing? How do we develop this prayer life? You know, I I think for many people, we have put prayer into the box of a devotion. I hear Christians many times tell me, well, I did my devotion today. Check. I checked it off. I did my devotions, all right? In the meantime, they're not saying, you know, in in the Scripture, I don't see it says to do your devotions. I see that it says to connect with the living God of the universe, to read His Word, to pray, and to pray continually, to be in a matter of prayer all day long. But for many Christians, somehow we've, we've, we've segmented it to, I have this morning appointment with God, and I want to encourage you to keep a morning appointment with God. I'm not discouraging that. I'm telling you that, that, is, that what the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to do about prayer is way more than what you can get done in a morning appointment, way more than a half hour or an hour in the morning. He says to be continually in prayer, recurring. Keep the phone, keep the line going before the Father. Mark 1.35, Jesus set the example of what it means to pray in the morning. If you read through Mark chapter 1, you'll see that he had an extremely busy day of ministry. And when you do an extremely busy day of ministry, let me tell you, you are worn out. At the end of the day, you've been around a lot of people, you've given of yourself, and you're just kind of emotionally tired. I get those days quite often. Jesus had one of those days here. And he comes in after, an, after one of those days, and he's not sleeping in the next morning. Look what it says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He got up while it was still dark, and he went out, and he's praying. So this is an important part of our spiritual life, to get up and have a time with God. So I would encourage you, the morning is a great time to meet with God. But I would also encourage you, because some of you in the morning, you can't function very well. 
If I told you to get up at 5 in the morning and pray, you would say, that's the worst thing I could ever do because I will fall back asleep again, right? Um, you know, you've, so many of you have done that. You, you've heard about the prayer warriors who get up, and they pray before they get their day going. And, and we have some people in our church, I'll tell you, I thank God for the prayer warriors of our church. There's people that get up at 5 a.m., and they're praying for the needs of this church. They're praying for you. It's incredible what God's doing, and I thank God for those people. But I know many of you, you say, if I do that, I won't be able to work. I mean, by the time you get to 8 o'clock, you'll be done. It'll be hard for you. Or you'll just open your Bible, you'll fall asleep at 5 a.m. Maybe your better hour is later in the day. Listen, the point is that you are meeting with God and have a time with God. So I want to encourage you to do that. Many people journal. And they, they, they'll write their prayers down. And, and I would encourage you if, you, if you do that, continue to do that. And continue to grow that. If you make a list, you, I, I think it's good. You know, you can't remember everything. You write down a list, you write them down. I think those are all healthy things. But the, the, the admonition here is to go and pray continually. So that whenever you get into work, and an hour later, you're not getting along with your boss, you get to pray. How do we do it? Have you ever heard the statement that only the strong survive? You've heard that. You know, only the strong survive. O- only those who work hard are going to make it here. So my question is, do really only the strong survive? Is that true spiritually? Is it true spiritually? Is this all it is, that those who have more discipline will win at the spiritual growth? Well, certainly, I think that there is something to be said for effort. You see, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. That's what Dallas Willard said. Great quote. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. In other words, you can't earn your way into heaven. But you've been given a spiritual life. You want to develop your prayer life. So you want to put some effort into it. But is it only those people that get up and have this this do their devotions in the morning type of thing? Or is it the people that have a little bit more than that. You say, well, how can you have more than that? I can't even live up to that. I feel so defeated. I think so many people say this. I feel so defeated when it comes to prayer. If you were honest, you would share, I feel so defeated. I hear about the guy who gets up at 5 a.m. and prays, and I just feel like I'm no good. I can't do that, or I don't do that, or I want to do that, or I tried to do it, and you're feeling overwhelmed. It's more than if the strong survived. Here's what it is. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 5, 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's it mean to be poor in spirit? Poor in spirit is to recognize that you are utterly spiritually bankrupt. Before the Lord, you are spiritually bankrupt. It's understanding that you have absolutely nothing of worth to offer God. So, so when you come before the Lord, your good works, they're not going to get you to heaven. And they're not, your good works are not going to improve you. You see, whenever you go out there, it, it's not my good works who improve me. It's my God who improves me. Do you see the difference here? It's like I go out, yes, God's told us to go do, do good works. I'm not discouraging good works. I'm just telling you where it's at. It's this spiritual bankruptcy that, man, I can't do this without you, Lord. 
I need you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, this is very humbling. When you came to Christ, if, if you're here and you've opened your heart to Jesus Christ, there was a point in your life when you bowed before an almighty God and you said, God, I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I don't deserve heaven. And I need you. And I'm trusting you as my personal Savior. So why do we not live in that humility? Why is it that we go out and we say, well, you know, I did this and I did that. In the meantime, God's looking for us to become spiritually poor. In other words, dependent upon the Savior. Dependent upon what Jesus has done on the cross. Depending on his power to get you through. So tomorrow you walk into your office and you have a rough morning and it's about 10 o'clock and, and you're walking down the hall and you say, man, I just really don't like my boss today. Okay? There's a few of you that, that are in that situation. You know, you just don't like your boss. And you're walking down the hall and what poor in the spirit says, poor in the spirit says this, you get to call on the Lord right then you don't have to wait till the, morning, till the next morning. You get to call on the Lord right then, and you say, Lord, I don't love my boss. I don't like him. Y'all don't love him. God, I struggle with. Or a coworker, or a neighbor. And you know, you're going to deal with all these things, and we have to come before God, and we say, God, I, and this is where it is, I'm poor in spirit. I cannot do this. I need you. And don't wait till tomorrow. Pray continually. Pray, keep the phone off the hook, keep talking to him, and pray throughout the day. So how does this apply to our spiritual life? Discipline is good, and I would encourage discipline in prayer. I think it's important. I think you only do what's important to you. So I think with prayer, we need to make it important. We need to say, we're going to develop prayer. I'm going to make this a priority in my life. But to do it all day long, to get to where God's driving us. You don't need self-discipline to pray continually. You just need to be poor in spirit. I hope you're catching that. You don't need self-discipline to pray all day long. You say, well, I could never pray. Listen, don't compare yourself to somebody else. Other people have prayer lives and you see their journals and you see what they do. Don't compare yourself to them. You become spiritually dependent upon God. You become poor in spirit, and you know what? You won't need any discipline. You're going to be starving for him. You're going to be coming, and you're going to be calling on him so fast, so quickly, that you're going to say, Lord, I just need you right now. And so whether it's that at 10 o'clock moment or that 1 o'clock moment or that, that uh, lunchtime moment, uh, you're going to be calling on the Lord. So this is an addition. You have your time that you meet with God. You set an appointment, you meet with God. Now we're talking all day long, you are continuing to grow. You're continuing to develop this relationship. And you are able to just very plainly call upon the Lord. Now I'm going give to you, give you an example of how to do this. <clears throat> God's given us this book, the Bible. <clears throat> There's so many encouraging scriptures in there, so many powerful things that you can take and you can pray it back to God. So one of those verses is this, Psalm 61, verse 2. And this is one that I personally like to use. And it says this, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. So I'm tired and I'm calling on you. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
Now, if you would just take that last phrase, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If you'll take that and you'll plug that into your life. And so now you're in the middle of a situation that's a sticky situation. It's an ugly situation. Things are happening that you're not sure how to handle. You call upon the Lord and you pray, Lord, lead me to the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. What's a rock? Solid. Big. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I envision this big boulder. And I get this mental picture of this boulder. And that's my God. Lord, lead me to that rock. Because right now, my world is crumbling around me. And I get to pray this to God that quickly. You see, continually praying. It's all throughout my day. And I want to encourage you to learn how to pray all throughout the day. One of the reasons that we don't pray throughout the day is because we're distracted. We're distracted by these little things that are in, our, in your purse or in your pocket right now. It's called a smartphone. Some of you older folks have a dumb phone, right? I got around some of our older people. They're like, I don't want a smartphone. I got my dumb phone. I'm like, okay, you're happy with it. But we pretty much all have these devices that we can get connected, whether it's an iPad or a cell phone, and we're distracted. Just about everybody's doing it. There's so many... People. I want to roll this video here. are walking by but how many of them are looking at their phones how many of them are using their phone that could be like listening to earbuds or something they're interacting they're having their phone is part of what they're doing and there's a lot of people sort of getting to work they're zoning out and then there are other people who are looking at their phones like I have to get this done before I walk into the office I guess is what they're doing and then there are people who are just like gripping their phones they're not looking at them but they're at the ready if they needed to look at their phone they could celebrity even walked by. Emily Blunt walked by. Was she on her phone? No. She was having a zen moment. I think she was coming from the gym. Missing when we are so occupied. 
We've occupied our mind constantly. We go from the crazy town and it just gets even more crazier because we're, we're giving ourselves something to do. I'm sorry, but if you invite me to play Candy Crush, I'm not doing it, all right? Words with friends, I don't even know how to spell, so just leave me out of that, all right? Uh, you know, it, it's like it, it, there, there's so many things that can occupy your time. And I, I challenge you, when you go out to Eaton Park today, you're sitting down there for lunch, look around and see how many couples are just sitting there looking at their phones instead of exchanging conversation. It's so common. Their study, that was just a little YouTube video we found, and, and their, their study was one, in, you know, one out of every three people. I would say it's probably higher than that depending on your age. And so it's just so easy for us to, our go-to. What do we go to? You see, when I have a problem, what am I going to? Am I going to God, the God of the universe, or do I, am I going to my gods, small g? Am I going to the things that just make me feel good? See, we all have a vice, right? Oh, everybody has a vice. It's so easy to go to a vice. It's so easy to go to worry, but yet God wants us to go to him. In the middle of our day, while you're working, God wants you to be connected to him. He wants you to practice his presence. Brother Lawrence was a, a monk, so was uh, Martin Luther. So we're talking about out of the Reformation. Brother Lawrence was one of these monks, and he, he learned about practicing the presence of God. And so he wrote a, a number of uh, little, little letters, and they pulled them together, and they, it's a, a now a book that you can buy out there. It's called uh, Practicing the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence. Great book to check out. But in his book, he says, for him, he says that there is no greater lifestyle and no greater happiness than that of having a continual conversation with God. He, further on, he says, my time of business in the kitchen. He, he's, he's famous for learning how to pray while working. He's famous for learning how to pray while doing the dishes. And he says, my time of business in the kitchen does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and in the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in his great tranquility as if, I were on my knees. You see, when we're in the middle of life situations, we are challenged. Things happen. You're moving throughout your day, and we are always tempted. Do we open the door and go to prayer? Do I pick up the phone to God? Do I leave that conversation going, and I come back? Or do I come over, and I pick up the little G's, the little gods, worry, Vice, entertainment, all these things that will try to distract me. And it's so easy to go here. See, because here's what happens. These gods, these little G gods, small gods, remember, they're false gods. False gods, here's the thing about a false god. A false god always made a promise and could not fulfill. And let me tell you, worry, if you go to worry, if that's your first thing you do when you have a problem, you go to worry, let me explain something to you about worry. Worry promises you that it'll be better. Worry promises you that you're in control. Worry makes all these false promises to you and it doesn't fulfill. Only God can fulfill those. And so worry, all it does is destroy you. It just rips you apart. Um, Look at your vices. Look at all these things of distraction. I want to close with this verse this morning. Philippians 4. 
He says, uh, Philippians 4, 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. That's hard, isn't it? Because I want to go, instead of calling to the Lord, he says, don't worry, instead pray about everything. And what do we typically do? Something happens and we go to worry. And we worship the God of worry because somehow it makes us feel better. Somehow it makes us feel in control. And whenever I go to God, my life is totally different. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I want to encourage you to pray about everything. You say, well, can I pray about this little thing in my life? Yes, pray about that little thing in your life because to you it's big. And if it's big to you, it's big to God. Remember that. If it's big to you, it's big to God. You say, well, I feel embarrassed praying over this little ingrown toenail thing that I've got going on, and I'm I'm even more worried about it, right? Well, listen, the Scripture says pray about everything. And those little things that you think are so insignificant, they're really, God says, I want you to not worry. So here, you're worrying. You're placing all this worry over here because you, all these little things that you think are insignificant to God, and really God says, they're big to you, they're big to me, and I want you to not worry about them. I want you to give them to me. He says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Remember, he already told us in Matthew 6, he already knows. It's kind of the Lord's prayer again here. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. There it is. Hallowed be thy name. You're thanking him for who he is. You're, you're going at his name. Thank him for all he's done. And if you'll do this, now check this out. Verse 7 says this. If you'll do this, then you will experience God's peace. You want God's peace in your life? Here it is. Here's how you get it. You don't worry, but you pray. You want to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we, under, that we can understand. This is the peace that passes all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So here's what happens. You're coming along in life. There's an event that happens, and you can choose to worry. You can choose to go over here to the vices. You can choose to go over to the God of worry that is going to make promises and not, not pull through. Or you can come to the true God of the universe, and you can pray. And God says, tell him what you need and thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. If you'll do that, then you'll experience God's peace. This is why you get around a believer, somebody who's following God, and life is crumbling around them, and they say, I have peace. Peace is not the absence of pain. I think that we have to always remember that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but I will give you peace. Don't worry. Pray. Tell them what you need, and then you will experience. You will get that peace that passes all understanding. And I want to share with you, if you will just pray continually, learn how to pray continually, God gives you peace. You can't get peace. You can't manufacture peace. You may still have pain, and the pain at times, you wonder how you're going to make it. But God gives you peace. Let's close in prayer. This morning, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to invite you to a relationship with God. Not a ritual. Not a ritual of, a, of, of going through emotion, but to truly learn how to meet with God to truly take it a step further than just doing a ritual 
but to talk to him. And maybe you're in this room and you've never opened your heart to Jesus. Maybe you know about him. Maybe you've heard about him. You've, but you're not connected to him. This morning, I want to invite you to get connected to Jesus. And you do it right in your seat. And prayer is talking to God, so I want to encourage you just to talk to God. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I need to start this relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you, just pray something like this to him this morning. Just quietly in the, in the, in the quietness of your seat. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin, and he came back to life again for me. And I trust Jesus right now as my Savior. I invite you into my life. And if that's you here today, I want to encourage you. That's the first step of developing a relationship, developing praying, developing all the things that God has for you. God says you just became his child. Welcome to the family of God. For others this morning, maybe you've been, you've been dealing with life by going to the vices, to going to the vice of worry or to the vice of entertainment or to whatever will distract you from the pain. But God has given us something bigger than distraction. He's given us Jesus who has all power and all the glory and he can do anything. And he says for you to come and talk to him. Don't worry, but pray. This is why we need to pray continually throughout the day. Where we're lifting him up. And when, you're, when you want to go to your phone next, go to God next. Tell him how great he is. I want to encourage you, make a morning appointment. Keep those morning appointments with God. Develop those prayer journals. But learn how to pray, how to have a relationship with God that goes when you're doing the dishes. Nothing will fulfill your life more than having a relationship with God that is truly a relationship with God. Father God, be with your people as they respond. Lord, give them some practical ways, Lord, as we've shared this morning. May they go home and and just begin to talk to you and not wait till next week, not wait till the next day. But Lord, that we will be in touch with you every hour of our day. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? See
Have a great week, everybody. Turn to your neighbor, greet each other as you leave. We'll see you next Sunday.